invite you to Matthew chapter 19. This is kind of a second part for last week's message on these three verses. So if you were not able to be here last Sunday, I encourage you to go back and listen to that first message on these verses. Then while you find Matthew 19, if you would, Mark Genesis 15. We'll look back uh, during the message at a a few passages today, but we'll go back to Genesis 15 and read the first six verses there, so you'll want to make sure you have that place marked. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, and if you do not have a Bible, we have Bibles here in our lobby and also in our overflow, and we would love for you to pick up a Bible today as our gift to you. If you're able, would you please stand in honor of the reading of this portion of Scripture? Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Thank you. Let the little children come. Let the children come. Let's pray together and ask the Lord to help us today. Father, our hearts rejoice today because in Christ it is well with our souls. We live in a world that is full of chaos and turmoil at times, and sometimes the tragedy and trouble of life lands right on our own doorstep. There are struggles and fights in this life, heartache. And yet, Father, in Christ, it is well with our soul. We know who we are. We know where we are in the Lord, and we know where we are going, and even our treasure verse reminds us that in Christ we will live with you for forever. It is a beautiful thing, Lord, to know you, to be reconciled to you, to understand the gospel, all that you have done for us in Christ all that you continue to do for us day by day and for eternity we are here because of you we believe because of you we worship because of you and so we give you glory and honor today we one of the ways we do that father is by singing songs to your name and by praying and by giving and by fellowship together as brothers and sisters in Christ, and by gathering around your word, Lord, and and seeking your truth, seeking to apply your truth to our lives, seeking you to speak and change and 
convict and mold and shape us more and more to the image of your Son. You have recreated us, and you who began a good work in us will continue to perfect it until the day of the Lord. And, and we believe and know and trust that part of that continuing to perfect us and change us occurs when we are gathered together, sitting under your word, with our faith feasting upon your word, that you are growing us and changing us, Lord, more and more into your likeness. And that is exactly what we need. We need to be more like Christ in our attitudes, in our, in our lives, in our decisions, in our parenting, in our church, in every aspect of our being, of our body, mind, soul, so we, we gladly, joyfully gather around you today and ask you to speak. May the speaker not be a distraction, but may our focus be on your word and on your spirit. And may you speak clearly through your words and help me to not be in the way because I need your words in my life too. We're not gathered here to, to know what Will thinks or what Will can say. We're gathered here because we believe in, at this time in your word that under the teaching of your word, Lord, that, that you speak. So we love you, we trust in you, we commit this time to you, and we ask that you would grow your church according to your glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Let the children come. Last week, we concentrated our time in this passage on the implication, really, of verse 13, that parents were bringing their children to Jesus. And it must have been a fairly large group or a good group, so they had to plan and schedule this. They had to figure out where Jesus was. They had to get the group together. They had to travel together. They had to organize. They had to to do all of this to bring their children to Jesus. It took time, it took effort to invest in the, in the spiritual well-being of their children. We don't even know their names, do we? We don't know who these parents were or, or nothing about them except for their determination and their heart for their children. And it's an extraordinary example for us as parents and grandparents today. So really, the, the main emphasis last week was that children's ministry begins in the home. It, it begins with mom and dad. And the spiritual care of our children is our foremost concern and calling from God. So in keeping with, with that example, last week we, we listed five practical ways and five personal ways that we too, in our day, can be bringing our children to Jesus. Again, none of us are perfect parents at all. And it will take time. It takes time and it takes priority to bring our children to Jesus. But, but nothing could be more important. There's nothing that we can do for our children that could be more important. There's nothing that 
can outlast the spiritual care of our children. And whatever it takes, whatever we have to give up, whatever we have to put to second place, whatever we have to reschedule or not schedule in order that our children may have easy access to the Lord and be brought to the Lord to know him and follow him and love him, it'll be more than worth whatever it might be. But the text doesn't end with just the focus on the parents, does it? The text goes on to teach us some more because the disciples respond and then Jesus responds and then Jesus, res- Jesus responds to the disciples and then Jesus responds to the determination of these parents. So there's more here for us to learn when it comes to our children and their spiritual well-being. First of all, we see that the disciples hindered. The disciples hindered. Now, you wouldn't expect this, but it happened anyway. The disciples actually discouraged the parents. I imagine the disciples were thinking, well, Jesus Jesus is way too busy for this. This was not on his schedule. They did not consult us for his itinerary today. I mean, these, if, if we get Jesus and all of these children together, they'll be making all kinds of noise while they'll be climbing all over him. They won't pay attention to what he says. He needs rest. He needs to rest and get ready for his next appointment, for his next schedule. He, he doesn't need this distraction. He doesn't need this, this bother. They probably thought they were doing Jesus a favor. He'd be better off with a, a few minutes to rest and kind of rejuvenate. And, and he's got this strenuous ministry schedule. He's always teaching. He's always healing. There's always crowds of people all around him, always asking him and wanting him to do this and do this and go here and go there. And he's always being confronted with his teaching by the Pharisees and Sadducees. And it's just constant, constant, constant. So he, he really needs to rest rather than being surrounded by these children. So they actually, the disciples, actually go so far as to rebuke the parents. So there, there was a forceful uh, attempt to keep these children away. I guess the first lesson by implication for us as parents is to not allow anyone or anything to keep us from doing what is in the best interest of our children's spiritual care the disciples rebuked these parents and for us as believers the lesson would be let's not make the same mistake these disciples made they they earned the correction of jesus not the commendation of jesus Don't assume that children are a bother or a distraction, but understand there is a ministry to children among us as adults and as the church, the local church family as well. So Jesus corrected the disciples. He said, let the little children come to me. Don't do that. Don't do what you're doing. Don't think what you're thinking. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. So there's something for us all as believing adults 
Those who are following Christ as adults and as the church together, as as the body of Christ, the local church family. How do we follow Jesus' instruction here? He clearly tells the disciples, let the little children come to me and, and, and do not hinder them. How do we follow that? If we go back, if you'll look back just one chapter into chapter 18 in verses, verses 5 and 6, if you recall, we studied that not too long ago. And we find in this passage just how serious it is to be a hindrance to anyone coming to Christ. To stand in the way of anyone finding Christ. To be an obstacle to faith, a deterrent to faith. And you can be that as a professing Christian. In fact, so many of us professing Christian become obstacles to those who are without Christ. Sometimes it's just an excuse. Everybody has an excuse that are, that are not in Christ. They always have an excuse not to have Christ. And sometimes it's just an excuse, but sometimes it's legitimate. We don't live the gospel and we turn people away. And, but he says here in, verse, in chapter 18, verses 5 and 6, Whoever receive, receives one such child in my name receives me, but whoever calls one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Jesus takes it very seriously when we are a hindrance to people coming to Christ. Now, in this passage, you see the context of the passage, and, and we understand Jesus is using this term little ones here to, to address believers, but it surely applies to children, whether or not they have made a profession of faith. So when I look at Jesus' instruction here, I take, let the little children come to me, I take that to mean for us as believing adults and the church by way of application, that we should be making a way for children to come. Let them come to me. So so we should be actively making a way, clearing a path, providing opportunities, making easy access for children to hear of Christ, know Christ, profess Christ, embrace Christ, love Christ, follow Christ. And I take do not hinder them, of course, to mean that we, sh- we ourselves should not be an obstacle in the way that we live, in the way that we talk, and in, the, in the way that we act when, when we are around people or even in our private lives. We, we should not be an obstacle and we should be removing obstacles that would deter or discourage or even keep children from Christ. We, we should be doing all that we can to, to not be in the way and to make a way. Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. So we listed five practical ways and five personal ways last week for us as parents. So we're going to list five practical ways this morning for us as believing adults, individuals, and as the church together How can we make a way for children to easily find and know and love Jesus? Number one, by what we teach. 
by what we teach them. We have many planned opportunities to teach children and to teach students. And again, as with last week, when I say children, I also mean older children. So how, whatever age your children are, younger or high school, middle school or high school or junior high or elementary school or wherever your children are or preschool. When I say children, I mean those that live with us in the home. So age accordingly in how you apply that. But we have, we have Sunday school, we have pond kids, we have Awanas, we have VBS, we have discipleship for our students. We have all kinds of ways that we are teaching our children. And teachers, I know, I know that you are volunteer. And your time is already stretched thin. But I want to remind you by way of encouragement, that you have no idea the eternal impact you can make on the lives of the children that sit in your classroom. No idea. So with that being said and hearing Jesus say, let the little children come to me and do not hinder, then I encourage all of us who teach our children here at church, prepare your lesson well. Spend time with that lesson and have it ready in your heart and in your head. You know, children know when you just kind of come in and throw something together and leave. They know that. They also know when you come in and your heart is filled with that lesson and you pour it out to those children with your life and with the scripture. Devote yourself to conveying biblical truth and gospel hope in a winsome way to your young listeners. Let them come. Do not hinder them. Show them that what the truth that you are talking about in Sunday school or VBS or Pond Kids or Student Discipleship, the truth that you are unfolding is life. It's not boring. It was worth your time this week. And you are unveiling something that is life-giving. Not just another chapter in a book. And I know it can be frustrating at times and sometimes you wonder if anyone's listening, if anyone heard anything you said. But no matter what's going on, you can be sure those eyes are watching and those ears are listening. They take home so much more than we think. So having said that, give them words of life and lift up Christ. Give it your all. Every time, give it your all. I say that from personal experience. To this day, I have never forgotten my high school Sunday school teacher. Tremendous man of God. He opened the Bible Sunday after Sunday and he taught the things of God with such a passion. I admit, I was in high school, half Sunday mornings, I didn't want to go to church. Wasn't an option at my house. I I slumbered into Sunday school, sat down on the bench, wasn't expecting much and he lit our fires every Sunday. 
every Sunday. When he spoke of Christ, he spoke as if he was talking about his best friend. It was amazing. To me, Christ at that time was a guy in the Bible. To him, Christ was right there with him every day. It was amazing. He knew him. He loved him. And he had this tremendous walk with God and a zeal for teaching students. I mean, he enjoyed it. He made a mark on my life. It remains to this day. By what we teach them. We could even say how we teach them. Secondly, by our example, by our life example, adults and church. Children, children see no greater example of the authenticity of faith than they see at home with mom and dad because they see mom and dad in every situation. But when they come to church and see a whole group of adults that love Jesus... It makes the path wide for them. It removes so many obstacles for them to follow Christ. That this is not just a mom and dad thing. That these are, these are other adults that I know and, and, and that I have fun with and, and that I respect. And, and I listen to what they say and I watch them worship at church. And I see them serving the Lord and... This thing is real for them too. They live out their faith. I see them sacrifice. I see them give. I see them rejoice. I see them living holy lives. They worship God with a passion. So when we affirm biblical truth in our teaching and we example biblical faith in our living, what we are doing as believing adults and as the church, we are reinforcing what? Prayerfully, the children are being taught and exampled at home. So they are seeing in the home, first and foremost, what it means to follow Jesus. And then when they come to church, they are seeing many examples, many homes, many moms, many dads, many grandparents following Jesus. And seeing a community of people serving and loving and knowing one another. Growing up in church, I was a teenager. My best, my best friend in church, his dad was a tremendous example of faith. Just amazing. I love my mom and dad, and they, they demonstrated faith at home, no doubt. They lived Monday through Saturday what was talked about on Sunday. I had no doubt about that. But there were other adults in the church that just stood out in my life. They had other things going on in their life. They had jobs. They ran businesses. They had homes. They had schedules. They had obligations. But what stood out in their life more than anything was Christ. And when my best friend's dad would stand up in church and pray, I mean, I'd be scared to move because it was like God was, God was 
listening. God was here. When that man talked to God, he was, God was near. I remember that. I will never forget that. That wasn't mom and dad. That was another believer at church. I'll never forget, too, when I, I went through some hard times in high school, standing up for Christ, living out my faith. I never will forget sitting in his home and him encouraging me in the Lord. That went a long way. Adults that surrounded our youth ministry when I was growing up, they lived out their faith at home. I know they did. I was in their home, and I saw it. I watched them. I listened to them. And it was amazing that everything in their home revolved around Christ. And it impacted me. It directed me. These believing adults were instrumental in my growth and in my walk with the Lord. I, I don't know if they understood it at the time, but, but they were letting me come to Christ and they were not hindering me at all. By what we teach, by our example. Third, by encouraging and resourcing parents to disciple their children. We as other adults and as the church... Instead of rebuking parents like the disciples, let us encourage parents any way possible to send a word of encouragement, to come alongside, to, to, to provide resources, to pray with them, to meet with them and, and, and share words of advice and counsel with one another on parenting and parenting well and godly parenting and bringing our children to Christ. And handing over resources that will help equip. That's what we as adults and as the church should be about. Fourth, taking the time to disciple and mentor and invest in the children around us. Listen to these three things. Number one, find that child or student that you can connect with, that you have a connection with, and make the most of it for the glory of God. Make the most of it in that student's life, in that child's life, for the glory of God. Find that single parent and come alongside them and help them in any way they need to raise their children to know the Lord. Third thing, find that child or that student that's left out, that no one involves that's always sitting by themselves. Find that child and student and spiritually adopt them as your child, as your grandchild. Get involved in their lives. Get involved in the lives that are right here, right around you, sitting in this room, right here, right now, for their spiritual good. Let them see that church is not just a Sunday activity. Let them see that Christ is life. And the fifth thing, by rejoicing and celebrating and welcoming children into the life of the church. 
Let us not in any way communicate that children are a bother, but they are rather a ministry. So the disciples hindered, but Jesus taught. Jesus taught. That's the second thing that we see. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for... For, in other words, the next words that Jesus is going to say explain why we should not be acting like the disciples, but we should rather be doing the opposite. We should be letting the children come, and and we should not be hindering them. There's a reason why Jesus says that, and he's going to explain it next. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. To such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Now, we know that Jesus is not saying there's only children in heaven. We know there are children in heaven, but we know Jesus is not saying only children go to heaven. And and we know by the passage that we just read in, in chapter 18, looking at the context of that 18, Jesus often uses little children as a way to talk about believers because when we come to faith, we are what? Born again. And we begin a brand new life and we are children Children in the faith. So there's this, there's this teaching that Jesus is giving here when he says, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such, to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Not only just to children, but there's something about children that teaches us something about the citizens of heaven, those who truly believe, those who truly follow Christ. Children are a visible, living illustration of gospel faith. Just like baptism illustrates the new birth, just like communion illustrates the death of Christ, just like marriage illustrates the gospel, so children illustrate true faith of true believers. So don't keep them away. Let them come. Let them be present. Give them a place to belong. They show us what true faith is like. We call this childlike faith. Childlike faith. To such, like these, belong the kingdom of heaven. Children's ministry is very important. Letting children come is very important important meaning that that children have this ability to wholeheartedly trust we as adults we lose that we become cynical we become fearful we become doubtful but children are not as such children have this capacity to wholeheartedly trust with no question no hesitation no equivocation They just believe. That's why we have to teach our children, don't take candy from strangers. That's why we have to teach children, don't get in the car with a stranger. Why? Because children just believe. They just believe. They have the capacity to do so. There's nothing hindering them from just trusting I admit, having three little children, I had a lot of fun with this. 
when they were little children. I tricked them all the time. Y'all didn't do that? Am I a bad parent? It was fun. They used to say, really? Now they say, dad. It's not as easy anymore with older children. Childlike faith means to wholeheartedly trust God with no question, no hesitation, no equivocation, no matter if the circumstance or the feeling or the past experience seem to be contrary to God's word. If God has spoken, we believe him. Look at Genesis chapter 15. It's not being naive, it's not being gullible, it's just recognizing who's doing the speaking and he's worthy of our trust. He's trustworthy, he's faithful. Genesis chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. After these things, here it is, the word of the Lord. That's what makes the difference. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. Remember, Abraham is old. Sarah is old. They have had no children. And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. Now we're, now we're talking beyond circumstance and beyond experience. But nonetheless, God is talking. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them. Now this is God speaking to an old, old man with no children. Go outside and look at the stars and see if you can count them. See if you can number them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Amazing. Now, if you have a grown-up, adult type of faith, you're saying, I don't think so. Hadn't happened yet. Not going to happen. Must have heard that wrong. That's the pizza talking. But if you have childlike faith, look at verse 6. And he believed the Lord. Isn't that amazing? And he believed the Lord. And God counted it to Abram as righteousness. He was saved. Because he simply believed what God said beyond all circumstance. Look with me to Matthew chapter 4. So turn back to, your, to Matthew and 
We're going to flip back and we're going to look at a New Testament example of this childlike faith. You know, children have the capacity to believe in, in such a way that they, they can obey immediately. Sometimes they can disobey quite strenuously, but they can obey immediately. They can drop everything that they're doing and just go. Forget everything that's happening around them and just go. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. That's all they knew. That's all they did. That was their life. That was their job. That was their living. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. That's absolutely amazing goes on to say in verse 21, and going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father. This is even more amazing. They're in the boat with their father, mending their nets, and he called to them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. They just dropped everything because God had called them. And they just left and went with him. Childlike faith. Little children illustrate true saving faith. No question, no hesitation, no equivocation. God said, We believe. The third thing here is the parents received. The disciples hindered. Jesus taught why it's so important to to have a children's ministry at home and in church and with other children. And then the parents received. Look at verse 15. And he laid his hands on them and went away. That's exactly... That is precisely what the parents desired Jesus to do in verse 13. That's why they were there. And they didn't let anyone stop them, and their effort reaped great reward because Jesus personally blessed their children. And then he went away. I want to conclude with this thought from The principle of parenting in Proverbs, you're familiar with the verse, Proverbs 22 verse 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's not an absolute promise, but it is a true biblical principle for wise, godly living. That's what the Proverbs are. True biblical principles for wise, godly living. And here's one for parenthood. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. 
When our children reach adulthood and they are on their own, it's between them and the Lord which way they will go. When we have done all that we can and we continue to pray for them, we'll always be their parent. I understand that. But once they reach adulthood, it's between them and the Lord what their face going to be, if it's even going to be. That's a frightening thought, which should motivate us to do all we can while we can for their spiritual well-being. But when our children are adults and they're on their own, it's between them and the Lord, which way they go, what path of life they choose, what they believe, if they believe. But if they choose to not believe... If they choose to walk away from Scripture, if they choose to walk away from Christ, if they choose for the Bible not to be the anchor of their lives, let it not be because we were an obstacle. Let it not be because we at home were an obstacle or we at church were an obstacle. And did not do all that we could to make the path to Christ an easy access. On the other side of that, according to this principle, if we do all we can to let the children come to Christ and in no way hinder them, far more of our children will love him and follow him than will deny him. It is a true biblical principle. So therefore, church, there's, there's no other way to respond, is there? Let the little children come in the home and in the church. Let's pray. You have been listening to the sermon ministry of Will Owens, pastor of Grassy Pond Baptist Church, Gaffley, South Carolina. Be sure to visit willowens.com to hear more sermons, read blogs, and learn more about the missions branch P67 Missions. Again, thank you for listening to Will Owens.